attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly, and joining us in the VIP tent this week is Lieutenant Danny Ulrich. Hi, Danny. Hi, Rob. Uh, Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I always like to have the chance to talk to uh, new people on the show, new MASH fans and stuff. And so before we get to the episode in question, which is uh, from season two, of course, episode 12, The Incubator, a classic uh, from season two, uh, I need to ask you, like, how did you become a fan of MASH the show? Uh, well, I'm uh, as close in age to you, I believe. And uh, so I'm a fan way back when... I grew up, uh, I grew up in New Orleans, that was my hometown, and the local CBS affiliate there, WWL, would show basically the first three seasons is what I grew up with, that's why I have a soft spot for those, because they would run them after the evening news at 6.30 local time there, uh, then after 10.30 news, um, so I could catch that during the summer, but it was like after dinner, I could watch uh, MASH, <laughs> and I became a big fan of the show, and then like I said, the syndicated version, they mainly had the first three seasons. By the time I could watch it live at the same time, was around season seven on CBS. So I would have this gap in between that I really didn't know for sure what happened to certain <laughs> characters. You know, So I, I, I kind of figured it out in the Henry since, you know, obviously with the episode that happens. Um, but, you know, like Trapper, where'd he go? And, that, and I didn't know. And But I would read TV Guide here and there when I could, or Dynamite back in the day when you could get out of grade school. <laughs> Dynamite, yes. Exactly. So, um, you know, I got to read some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, so I figured out what happened, that uh, Wayne Rogers left the show, and then uh, B.J. Honeycutt, Mike Farrell, came in, and then eventually uh, Winchester came into the show, David Arkenstiers, after uh, Larry Lintho left the show, you know, Frank left, because I didn't know what happened in between all those. So eventually they got to the other syndicated seasons, you know, so I got to catch up on those. But as I said, I got to watch both live, the current season at that year, and syndicated as well. So since then, I just grew up watching it. I mean, I've always watched it. It's one of my... Uh, favorite shows as well from both the 70s all the way through. Um, so it's definitely in in my top five. Right? It's not my number one show, but it is definitely in my top five. And, and that is just why I am a MASH fan continuous to this day. What is your number one show? I'm just curious now that you've brought it up. Uh, my number one show is Star Trek. Ah, so okay. I, I'm the original series. Um, it's same thing. Syndication. Yeah, me too. Um, and I just grew up with it. And it was, even then, like, after they pulled it from syndication, because for a while it was hard to get, and the only way I could get it uh, was from Baton Rouge. And this is also going to show my age. Uh, you had to hook the antenna in a certain way <laughs> to get the signal right so you could get watch uh, Star Trek and until eventually it came back to New Orleans syndicated when the, essentially at the time the Fox affiliate began. And they got the right to a lot of those shows back then. Uh, so that's, I got to catch up and be on that again or 
catch up and watch that again. Fantastic. Well, let's say, of course, we have a Star Trek show on the network. So, Siskoid, yeah. if you're listening, you just heard Danny say he was his number one show is Star Trek. So, if you ever want to do another podcast, Danny, we have we have another show available to you. Uh, uh, I would be glad to. I assume you remember watching the, the the final episode as it aired. If you were watching it, if you remember watching it as far back as season seven, you certainly I, remember. I had the, last the one. Uh, final. I had the well the, the local affiliate also ran the pilot episode before the final episode. Oh, that's so nice. That's cool. I had it on, on videotape for the longest time, and I would watch that continuously so much until the tape eventually broke that ah. I could not watch anymore. So, but it was it it was still fun to watch later on because I taped it complete. So I had the original broadcast commercials and everything with oh, it. Oh, wow. So, yes, it was just a, a something period of the time, you know, essentially, that you don't get anymore. I mean, it, they had, like, on YouTube the Star Wars version of the holiday special where you get to watch the, the hokey commercials around that, you know. But it, it was a lot different because this was um, really a capsule. And one of the big things I remember was uh, they had the ad for Miss Pac-Man coming out on Atari. <laughs> and I was like so excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be better than the Pac-Man version of Atari was. So, yeah, I have to get that for Christmas, you know. And I'm like, it, it was just very interesting. Plus, uh, not to mention, I always loved the little ad breaks in between where you got to see these other ads for other CBS shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, the various shows from that Time I couldn't remember what they were anymore, but uh, I it, it would just tickle me pink about things like that. <laughs> That's fantastic! Cool. All right, excellent. So, well, like I said, the uh, the uh, here the episode we're here to talk about is as I said it's episode twelve, the incubator. The original air date is December first, nineteen seventy three. Written by the always dependable team of Larry Gelbart and Lawrence Marks, and directed by the even just well maybe not even more, but just as reliable Jackie Cooper. Uh, after waking up from an all-night bender in the swamp, Hawkeye and Trapper stagger into post-op to start their rounds. One case stymies them when they can't get a blood culture back to them in less than 72 hours because the 477th doesn't have an incubator and the sample has to travel all the way to Seoul and back again. Having dealt with this issue many times before, Hawkeye and Trapper decide to look into getting an incubator for MASH. Their request brings a visit from Captain Sloan, played by Eldon Quick, who is from Supply. After ordering them a jukebox, after offering them a jukebox and a pizza oven, he turns down their request for an incubator, deeming it a luxury. Undeterred, they have radar tracked some incubators down, and they head out to see if they can corral one themselves. They first meet a greedy major who has three incubators, but refuses to give any of them up in the fear one might break, and then he'd only have two. They move on to the major CO, Colonel Lambert, played by Logan Ramsey, who says he'll give them an incubator for $627 cost. What an offer. They keep moving up the chain of command, ending with General Maynard and Mitchell, who is in the middle of a press conference. Hawkeye and Trapper sneak sneak into the group of reporters and ask why field hospitals aren't equipped with incubators. Mitchell won't answer, which causes a stir among the other reporters who begin to wonder if the Army is involved in germ warfare. The press conference becomes a free-for-all, and the doctors are escorted out by MPs. Later, back at the 477th, Henry admonishes Hawkeye and Trapper for violating Articles 13 to 27 of Army Conduct with a repeat on 26. The doctors fess up and are unofficially put under arrest. As they leave, they are delighted to see that Radar has something for them. An incubator! How did he do it, they ask. Turns out Radar traded in Henry's newly requisitioned barbecue grill to get it, so Radar asks if the incubator could cook Henry's steak rare. 
That is the incubator. Um, Danny, I assume since you asked uh, to want to talk about this one, you like it as much as I do. I think this one is a stone-cold classic episode of the show. I I agree. Uh, I enjoy the MASH episodes where they leave the camp. Uh, Essentially, this one is more the bureaucracy they got to run through with going through military, which they have done episodes like that, even internally in the camp. But changing the scenery... Meeting different people within the army, um, both in this era, early era of the show, plus you know, later on they have uh, when BJ comes into that, where just running into all these different types of people, not just meeting them in the hospital setting, I think it just makes the story more rounded, more of what they have to deal with working within the war, mm-hmm. as you say it's working. Uh, just what they have to deal with in itself. And I, I enjoy those episodes even more because I think it gives the writers more freedom to like try and come up ways and, and scenarios that they have to run into as characters. So I, that's why I enjoy this episode a lot. Yeah, it expands the world, certainly. And it's this episode is very much a farce because, of course, all the people they run into outside the camp are completely insane. You know, I mean, and, and it's it's one of these things of like, this is what our poor heroes have to deal with just to get a simple incubator is deal with this ever never ending uh, procession of crazy people. Uh, I mean, again, we'll get to it about like, the idea of the one guy's like, I have three incubators. I don't want to give one of them up because, I, because then I'd only have two. And that, that's the whole reason you won't give it up is because three is better than two. Um the thing I uh, – when I watched this episode, rewatched it again. I mean I'm always rewatching these episodes. But when I rewatched it again for this recording, uh, I always forget that this op- episode opens with the morning after bit with Hawkeye and Trapper in the tent having thrown an amazing party and they are both hungover. Because it really doesn't have anything to do with the main plot of the incubator. Like basically they they decide to stop drinking for a little while and that's the next scene is where they're in post-op. But it really doesn't feature into the plot after this. And it, I almost wonder, did when they wrote the script, they were like, hmm, we're two minutes short of incubator plot. So let's just throw this in. Because this whole opening with them where they're hungover and then, like, Trapper knocks the coffee pot onto the floor. And they're all like, ah. Like, it, I, I can never remember that this is the episode that has that because it's not connected to anything else. Well, and that and the extended scene where um – they deal with Frank afterwards and Frank, right. you know, they want Frank to scold them for how bad they have been and how, you know, misbehaving and they are. And he's refusing to do that, which is a little out of character for Frank. Right. Um, but I, I guess they want to show a different side and everything. And they kind of like, Hey, we need to grow up. We we're we going to kill ourselves, you know, doing this. So bushy tail is the, yeah, the BT, term they yeah. come up with it. <laughs> We need to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, and be more responsive. And we don't see the uh, results of a party like that, again, if I can recall, in the series. I mean, I know they do have parties, uh, but never so much that, I guess, this is the end-all, the be-all parties that we never saw. Um, so now they have to be more mature. Uh, otherwise, I know the horrors of what they have to deal with every day is so much. Uh, but, you know, they still have to be responsible doctors. They still got to take care of the, how many people might be having to come into that day or deal with that week. So, right. Yeah. The, the set decorators and the prop people did a great job because they really make the swamp look disgusting. 
I mean, I'm all for, you know, having a raucous party, but, like, this one actually looks really nasty because there's beer cans all over the place, and there's all these dishes, and there's cigarettes. There's one point where Radar comes in, he brings them coffee, and he's scooping out the, he scoops out ashtrays, and, like, there's mattresses laying on the floor, and you can see there's, like, half-eaten food, and Hawkeye even has a line. He's like, well, it's nice that everybody cleaned up before they left. And it's, it's, you can actually be like, you know what? I would not want to have been at this party because it just looks kind of gross. And I, they, I like that they don't shy away from that. I mean, they've talked about how filthy the 4077th is just in general. But, yeah, this, this, I, it's interesting to think about. I'll have to kind of keep that in mind, uh, what you said about later episodes where they never quite have a party at this level that we that we hear about ever again, that it's this out of control. And that would be interesting if that's the case because then there is some sort of like character development that Hawkeye and Trapper did learn and kind of calmed down a little. And that scene with Frank is funny where he sort of talks to them like he's their dad as opposed to a, a contemporary. He's like, where, are those, where were those two bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young soldiers I met, young doctors met when I came here? Like, he's actually, you know, it's very, very atypical. And it's, it, I also wonder, like, where did, I guess, did Frank spend the night at Margaret's? Because he clearly wasn't in the, in the swamp overnight. So where was I, he all would, night? <laughs> I would hope he was on duty in the, in the oh, that's opera, true, yeah. Uh, yeah, on duty at the time. So I, I know it had to be raucous enough that even like Henry or Radar must have left the party because then they they don't remember what happened and they go wake up when Radar comes in. They're like, hey, did we ask to sacrifice a virgin? Yeah. <laughs> and Radar says, yes, you can't look me up. Yeah. You know? so. I was too sleepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor Radar. They're rousting him in his bed. And bed and <laughs> he doesn't get any privacy. He has to sleep in an office, but then he's getting rousted by these two knuckleheads. Uh, so then the, the next scene is in post-op, post-op and we've got uh, – I like the Trapper has shades on because obviously he's probably bloodshot. And there's a brief moment where he hands a, a chart to a nurse, uh, Nurse Sheila, played by Sheila Lauritsen, and she goes, yes, doctor. And she just says it in a way and, and gives him this look, and then Trapper looks at Hawkeye like – did something happen? Like, you know, there's something going on that they don't know about, which I like. I like that obviously something really crazy went on that Sheila is responding to, but Hawkeye and Trevor don't even remember, which I think is a nice touch. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't think I've had a party so bad that I don't remember what I no, did that night. No, <laughs> maybe I've maybe I've lived a sheltered life or something. I don't know. Uh, and then so after that is when the plot actually kicks in when they're in the lab. And we see them talking to Nurse Owens, played by the unfortunately named Sarah Fankboner, uh, who had <laughs> who had one other uh, episode on Mash. She was in uh, Five O'clock Charlie. She's the one who talks about I can't give them, I can't give you guys five dozen sheets. Uh, she's the one who does that, and she talks about um, that you know we don't have an incubator, and we have to send the the sample all the way to Seoul, and you can treat them in seventy two hours, which of course is ridiculous. I mean, you can't possibly ask doctors to treat a patient uh, effectively with an infection if they have to wait three days to do it. That's insane. Like, you might as well just kill the patient because that's that's completely nuts. Well, and also the, the turnaround for most of these soldiers they show is like 48 hours right. or so unless something major happened to them that they need longer recovery. But it, it's, you know, they expect them to patch him up and ship him out again, you know, for yeah. go back on duty, you know, and, and yeah. How, how are, how are doctors supposed to be in general if they can't diagnose uh, things correctly because they don't have the proper equipment for things. And of course that leads to the whole plot of the episode. Right. It's like, this is ridiculous. This is, this is not a way 
for a hospital to run. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just the logistics of it, like just the amount of effort and, and material and, and, and fuel that would take to run samples to Seoul, all the way to Seoul every single day, like – what like what a crazy system you would and of course that's what this whole thing is about is that it's it makes so much more sense for the unit to have an incubator. I know it's more expensive in the in the in the you know the initial cost, but it makes so much more sense in the long run. So then after that, there's the scene of Henry and Radar uh, mooning over Henry's mooning over his barbecue grill, and there's talk about that it's going to be great and he's going to cook steaks on it. Now, okay, I will say this: I'm a vegetarian. I have been a vegetarian for over 20 years. I don't miss meat. I don't, uh, I don't begrudge anybody that eats meat, but I don't miss it at all. That said, Henry saying that he makes steaks with sugar and brandy, that sounds really good. I mean, that sounds really delicious, I have to say. <laughs> I haven't done that myself. Um, but, yes, I would, I would admit I've done uh, not with sugar. But, I mean, I, I imagine barbecue sauce would have elements of sugar in it. Um, I just never mixed brandy with that. I've done other kind of mixtures with that when I cook steak. I, I do eat both, so I'm not just vegetarian only, yeah, but I, oh, same thing. Boy. I don't begrudge. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds really good, Henry. I mean, that's a, that's a combination I never would have thought of in my life to cook steak, you know, put uh, brandy and sugar on steak, but boy, does that sound delicious. And of course, I mean, if you're at the four seven seven, any steak, you'll take any steak you can get or whatever. Uh, and well, then, uh, where they find the steak? That's yeah, the really. I know. I know that, even, yeah, that's we haven't gotten to uh, Adams Ridge yet. That's yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, so then they have the conversation with Henry about the incubator, and of course Hawkeye has the curious line where he says, "The war's been running for two years. Surely we're showing a profit by now." So we are already two years into the Korean War. That's a, that's news to me. I guess uh, BJ and Colonel <laughs> Potter served for about six months or something. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's that. Uh, Timeline that Mass lives in that is not the same as reality was. So yeah, all you out there confused by the end Avengers Endgame timeline, try the Mash timeline and see how that works for you. It's, <laughs> Avengers Endgame has nothing on nothing on Mash. Well, uh, that that leads to later on. There's uh, an acronym in there that gets mentioned, and I'll I'll, I'll cover it if you don't cover oh, it. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I don't even. I'm not sure what you're referring to. So cool. All right, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so then uh, we have the the guy from uh, requisite from. Uh, from the requisitions coming down played by Eldon quick. And this is first of three appearances in mash for Eldon quick, who is this very, uh, bookish, uh, officious looking guy. Very, very serious. Uh, he would play a different role in each episode of mash. He would never play the same character, kind of the same persona, very serious minded guy kind of coming and get some, getting somebody in trouble, but he officially never is the same character. Uh, he had a relatively short career he was in um, films like In the Heat of the Night. He played Johnny in Doc Savage, uh, which was a movie I covered over on the Film and Water podcast. He was one of yes. Doc Savage's gang. Uh, he's in a um, an erotic comedy called The Big Bet with Sylvia Christel, Emmanuel herself. He has no credits past 1986, uh, at least in film and television, which is which is sad because I love him on mash he's funny in all three episodes he's very very funny and i love his intro where he says where he comes in and he says uh where initially trapper wants to uh, pour everybody a drink and uh, hawkeye's like no 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 i can't I can, you know, remember we're doing bushy-tailed right i can't have a I, we can't have a drink and uh, he introduces himself as saying he's from the 375th omhq comsec soul sec rep dep 
And then Hawkeye's response is, maybe I'll have that drink. Because I, I love it. Just, the way that Eldon Quick could shoot that out of his mouth so effortlessly, where it's just complete gibberish. I, I love that line. It's so funny. Uh, I did some uh, research, and I found a, a book. Um, and it was from uh, Mass, the Ultimate Guidebook, from uh, Solomson and O'Neill. Yes. And they wrote that. Originally, Larry Limbo was going to be doing that dialogue scene, but I guess the dialogue was too between the the, uh, the initials and the numbers. It was having trouble trying to keep it remembered, so they recast it, and that's where Eldon Quick came in, uh, and they hired him. And I thought he did a fantastic job too. I, I wish he came back uh, in other episodes. I thought he was a great character to have in the show. But same thing, I, I don't know. They they kind of dropped those type of things later on. I mean, and he could have played kind of the same guy. I mean, he's from requisition here as Captain Sloan. But later on, he's in the Payday episode uh, where where uh, the they think that Hawkeye has stolen some money and he comes to retrieve that. And then, of course, he's in the classic The Late Captain Pierce where uh, he's – you know, he's checking up on Hawkeye, saying that Hawkeye's been listed as dead. So he could have been Captain Sloan in any of those. They just didn't bother. But he's very funny. And I love he's one of my favorite guest stars. And so when I saw him in Doc Savage, uh, I was like kind of just extra happy. I'm like, oh, there's Eldon Quick. From, and, yes. and the name to Eldon Quick. Like, that's a cool name. Like, it's a very distinctive name. So, of course, uh, this is the classic scene, which has been shown in the, the Our Finest Hour, which is the greatest hits episode where he basically tells them, you can't have an incubator. It's considered a luxury. And then, of course, there's the whole bit about the pizza oven and the jukebox. But he just says, you guys are not entitled to get one and uh, Hawkeye and Trapper are incensed and decide, well, we're going to go find one on our own and they take off. Now, before they do, there's a scene in OR that features an incredibly strange line where Radar reveals, hey, I found some incubators. You might be able to go and uh, grab one of them. And they say, hey, guy, you know, hey, Henry, after surgery, we're going to leave and, uh, and and go try and round up one of these incubators. And And Henry says... Uh, you know, you're going to meet a lot of resistance out there for a suture incubator. Not everybody is lovable Henry Blake. And he says, don't go showing up uh, to the to the to the lieutenant looking like a couple of freelance abortionists. I'm like, wow, that is that. Whoa, boy. And, and I know you've mentioned before, and it's the same for me. Uh, this is what that scene in O.R., I don't ever remember seeing it until I got the DVD myself um, because it seemed it went to commercial and came back and they were already at the supply right. sergeant. Um, so that was new for me as well. And yes, that, that line, I don't know if maybe that's why it was cut that whole scene because uh, um, he could have gone away with it way back when in 1973, but that was at the time of Roe versus Wade yeah. going on. Uh, and then, no, we can't have that in syndication. So that could have been why that scene was cut, and I never saw it until oh, you know the DVDs came Me out too. where they were uncut yeah. versions. So. Yeah, it is. It's just it jumps out of you like, whoa, that is not, that is like a not terribly funny freelance no. abortionist. Holy geez. So okay, uh, but so yeah, right. So then of course the, the, they have their first meeting uh, with uh, with Major Mars, played by Ted Gehring. Ted Gehring is another actor that would come back on Mash. He played Sergeant Roden in the None Like It Hot episode. Uh, but here, uh, he's Major Morris, who's the guy who owns three incubators, and he refuses to turn one of them over for the nearly flawless logic of, 
hey, I have three, and if I one of, if I use one of them and it breaks, then I only have two, and two is not as good as three. So even though he's presumably a doc, well, not presumably, he is a doctor. He mentions that he was a pediatrician at a woman's prison. Um, <laughs> he doesn't even use his own incubators because he's so obsessed with keeping his supply of three incubators at full at, in full the whole time. So it's just kind of utter madness. And this is the beginning of, again, Hawkeye and Trapper running into – well, not the beginning. This is the second army official that is just completely nuts. Ted Gehring has done a lot of stuff. He was in the Dukes of Hazard, the A-Team, Quincy, Alice. He was in the movie The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Dallas, The Rockford Files, Little House on the Prairie, and the 1975 film uh, Farewell, My Lovely with Robert Mitchum, which is a great movie. So he's in that too. So this is the, he had a long career, and he's very funny here because he's just utterly sleazy and in, completely indifferent to presumably his patients or certainly Hawkeye and Trappers. He just doesn't care. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's it's amazing that um, you can run into people like this in your life that um, – he is someone that desperately needs something that is going to save people's lives. And this guy is so selfish and doesn't care. He, he really just doesn't care. And it's his attitude at the end where they leave. He tells them, why don't you just salute at me and get out of here? Yep. And that's <laughs> I've mentioned in previous episodes that, of course, MASH being you know television, as everybody knows, television is a writer's medium, not so much a director's medium, although that's changing, uh, I think, recently. Um, the MASH didn't have a lot of time for fancy camera shots or just involved camera work. They just weren't, just they weren't thinking like that. But there's a nice shot here where Roden, and excuse me, I'm calling him Roden. That's his other episode where uh, Morris, Morris shuts the door to the incubator. He walks in the background, camera left to right. The camera then follows, pans over. It follows Hawkeye and Trapper who have lines and they are right in the foreground. They are, it's much closer up than you normally would see in MASH. And then at that point, Morris has crossed behind them and is now on the other side of the room and the camera picks back up with him on the other side. And again, it's not, uh, you know, it's nothing out of Citizen Kane or anything, but it's, it's a slightly more involved camera work than you would typically see in MASH. And I have to think that's just Jackie Cooper who directed so many of these shows, just kind of like, you know, entertaining himself a little like, oh, we can give this scene a little extra visual life because it's all one unbroken shot. So I sort of appreciated that just because it stands out. You don't generally see stuff like that on, on the show. Uh, they then move on to Colonel Lambert, who I mentioned is played by Logan Ramsey, who's an actor you've seen in a lot of things. He was in the Walking Tall series. He was in Scrooged. He's one of the homeless guys that uh, demands Bill Murray uh, uh, do lines, do Richard Burton lines. Uh, he was in the Star Trek episode Bread and Circuses. So there you go. You can remember that one, certainly, Danny. <laughs> yes. And he's also in the movie Farewell, My Lovely with Richard with uh, with uh, Robert Mitchum. So him and him and Ted Gehrig are both in that movie. And he's very funny here because he is openly crooked, openly, yes. completely crooked. And he originally says, I'm going to sell you the uh, the incubator for like, you know, fifteen hundred dollars. And they're like, no. And then he then he says, I like you. You have a nice streak of honesty. I'll sell it to you for six hundred twenty six twenty seven dollars cost. Like he's doing them a favor, which is great. <laughs> well, with Logan Ramsey, also uh, he uh, was the husband to Ann Ramsey, which most people would know Ann Ramsey right. from Throw Mama from the Train and the Goodies. Um, now I remember the two of them together in a scene in the Queen Eastwood film. Any which way you can. Oh, that's um, right. Yes, they're yes, both in the, that movie. Yeah. Yes, they're in the hotel room next to the orangutans who 
they put in their in their in their own room, so they are horrified by what's going on next door, not knowing it's two orangutans going on, and um, <laughs> so they they sort of get turned on by it, and he tries to pick up the chair, and, and that's when he hurts his back, and she said that, oh, put that down, you know, Harold, you were so. Uh, manly, you look at the, that chair, it was very heavy, you know, <laughs> and it comes from that. So you have this, you know, it, it's rare to see a husband and wife team acting together on screen. So, um, you know, it, it perked my interest when I saw the movie back then in the theaters that, hey, he's from Vash too. I know him. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and now he also mentions, now I told you they're going to have the, um, uh, something that didn't exist back then. He mentions that he has uh, a B 52. Uh, well, the B-52 wasn't really created until 1955. That's when they rolled them out. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so there, uh, he is mentioning something that he that shouldn't exist yet, obviously. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, he was really ahead of the again, curve. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he even mentions that the crew is extra, of course. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, has get, he has to get them from the future. You know, they, they drop it off Radar's comic books, and then yeah, they're going right. to come by. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. He dropped off those copies of Avengers, and now he's, he's coming with the crew of the B-52. The other actress in that scene playing Betty Lou, his his uh, his Korean girlfriend, or Japanese girlfriend, presumably, is Helen Funai. You've seen her in uh, Highway to Heaven, The Colby's Bewitched, Mission Impossible, and she was in the movie Murderer's Row and Our Man Flint. Uh, her last movie is Best of the Best, that uh, that uh, martial arts movie from the 80s. So, uh, And then, finally, the, the culmination of all this is that they go to the press conference where General Mitchell, who we've already seen, played by Robert F. Simon, uh, is is giving a talking to reporters. And this scene is just short of something out of Catch-22 because it is General Mitchell just saying utter nonsense and giving these answers <laughs> that are total gibberish and just, you know, and the, the reporters are just dutifully writing it all down, which is very much like what goes on today where we're just saying, you know, the people are just saying utter bullshit and reporters are not questioning it. And uh, he's t- and then eventually, of course, Hawkeye and Trapper get in, get up in his grill about the incubators. And, and Main- Mitchell even has a line about, I think we've, I think we've, uh, put enough fresh air into this incubator discussion, which is, yes. he doesn't even realize what he's saying, of course. Exactly. It, it leads to one of my favorite quotes. Uh, there's two of them in this scene, of course, but uh, I think your favorite quote is his favorite of mine, so I'll go with the second one, the um, uh, where he asked him, you know, Hawkeye asked him about the incubator, and uh, the Jones, uh, Mitchell was like, that question has a lot of buckshot in it. And Hawkeye's answer is, I'm sure the answer will as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess we can get to it now. My favorite line from this episode is, is General Mitchell's, is where, yes. uh, where, they keep it, where the, the reporters, of course, not understanding what an incubator does, hear about germs. And they're like, are we, are we involved in germ warfare, General? And General Mitchell says, now, hold on. This is a press conference. The last thing I want to do is answer a lot of questions. <laughs> That's exactly. Total catch-22. And Robert Simon just delivers it with the perfect amount of idiotic bluster uh, that, is, that is necessary for that scene. It is my, I, I, I really liked Robert Simon as Mitchell. I thought he was very, very funny in these episodes. But I think this is my favorite of his three. He's just really, really funny. Uh, in this uh, in this in this sequence, because he's just you know he's just the typical army general who's just BSing his way through stuff. I just love it. Exactly. Now the the only question is, I I assume they must have 
filmed these close together between the trial with Henry Blake and the incubator because he doesn't recognize uh, Trapper right. or Hawkeye, right, you know, right. in this episode, but he just met him, you know, a few weeks before that or whatever the time frame would be. Uh, and then, of course, he's in the, the one that's going to be on later on this season. The officers um, only, yeah. Yes, officers only. So, uh, you know, did they did they have the groups, you know, a group taping at the time of, of filming these back to back and he, he was available during this time? They just kept him going. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I didn't find any information about that, but it was just interesting that which way it would have gone if they should have run the incubator first and then the trial of Henry Blake or which other way. Yeah, they didn't show these. They showed them out of order, so it would make sense probably that this one was probably filmed first uh, and then later on went to the trial of Henry Blake and then officers only. Uh, but, yeah, I think they, they did show them out. The CBS didn't care that much about uh, you know about, exactly. about the continuity. I mean, other than uh, the when they get the officers' club, which we'll get to, like that obviously is a change that lasts. But for the most part, we never like the, the, we'll see in later episodes that the show has the incubator. But I mean, it's right. not like it figures into every episode, so they could have just showed this one slightly out of order. Uh, acting wise, the uh, the one reporter that gets some scenes is a, a Bowman. He's called Mister Bowman. He's played by John Alvin. Uh, who's in a lot of TV, did Police Woman, The Incredible Hulk, My Three Sons, Perry Mason, as well as Aftermash. So he did. He came back later and uh, and did did Aftermash, although, of course, he doesn't have any uh, scenes. Of course, this is pre-Colonel Potter, and he doesn't have any scenes with, uh, with Klinger and Father Mulcahy, who do not appear in this episode, as well as Hot Lips. Margaret. Yeah, there's no Margaret in this episode. She's not in it at all. I know that Loretta Swit was doing a lot of other stuff. She was doing uh, some plays and some other TV shows, so they probably just wrote her out. I mean, they didn't really need her in this in this episode in particular. And uh, another weird factoid that I saw was that this episode supposedly was written in a single night by Larry Gelbert and Lawrence Marks. And if that's the case, boy, howdy. Good job, <laughs> fellas, because I think this one is a classic. And the idea that you could bang this out in a single night, that is... That's impressive. Yes, exactly. I agree. And even um, uh, if you didn't mention his um, uh, General Mitchell's assistant uh, was Fox. And yes. you saw him briefly in the trial of Henry that's Blake right. and there he is in this one. So that's what it is. A little continuity that normally you don't get to see. And and even if they mentioned throughout the season that this is who Frank and Margaret have been writing to the whole time is General Mitchell. Right. I'm right. going to send this a General Mitchell's report, you know, and, and so this whole season, there's um, at least four or five episodes where they mention General Mitchell, and then you, of course, see him in the three episodes. So this whole time frame within this year, uh, I can't say year, yeah, <laughs> three wait. months, two months, yeah. two months of MASH, whatever the case might be, um, it is all uh, involved in one way or another. So it does lead up to each other. Right. So then, like, of course, they get a, they get hauled back to the 477th, and Henry is uh, completely aghast about all the trouble that Hawkeye and Trevor got into. And it's another one of those scenes where he's like, if you guys didn't outclass every bit of surgical talent, you would be in so much trouble. And then, of course, Henry gives up the ghost by laughing at some of the stuff he heard Hawkeye and Trapper did at the end. He's like, did you really call somebody a Nimcom pack? And he's, <laughs> and he's starting to laugh. And that's, you know, that's like my favorite Henry is where Henry tries to play the stern authoritarian boss. And then he can't help but laugh. Cause he deep down, he loves these guys and he thinks they're funny. So right. I love that he gives, he gives that up. 
give me an incubator or give me death. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, of course, at the end, we find Radar has performed the miracle where he has gotten an incubator, and uh, we find out how he did it is that he traded in the barbecue. And I love that Radar, like, when I was a kid and I watched this episode, like, Henry, uh, Radar's joke about, can you set this thing to, to rare? Like, I, I knew <laughs> I knew even as a child that that wasn't correct. But at the same time, an incubator looks like an oven. And so as, as a kid, I was kind of like, can you cook things in that? I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what an incubator does. But it's, I, I think that's a very natural joke that Radar would look at that thing because he's a farm boy from Ottumwa, Iowa. He would look at this very sophisticated piece of equipment and be like, it kind of looks like an oven. Can you put steaks in here? I have no idea. I love it's a, it, I, I, I think that's a very sort of realistic joke. Yes, but it, of course it does lead to where uh, Radar is the person they go to 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 finagle things that they need to, and and I'm glad they carry that on further into where Klinger could do it because, right. um, you know, it, it, they shouldn't have to go through this uh, military bureaucracy, and, and I know it kind of defeats the purpose of some of the people you meet earlier if you could just, you know, wheel and deal your way around everything, but it makes the episode enjoyable and fun. And uh, yes, I really enjoyed it. It's I think it's a classic as well, yeah. which is why I wanted to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, one other little detail I wanted to mention, and this doesn't have anything to do with the show in particular. I saw it on IMDb where I was looking up trivia. And uh, in the IMDb trivia, it mentions that thing you talked about that originally who was going to play Captain Sloan. And it said in, in this person who wrote this on IMDb, it says, in Larry Gelbart's commentary, he mentions yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, Larry Gelbart's what? What commentary? What are they? What are they talking about? My none of my DVDs have audio commentary. So what commentary? Is there a is there a commentary track that Larry Gelbart did for this episode or did for other episodes that I don't know about? I have no idea what that person's referring to. So I don't know where they got that from. I, I uh, the only thing I could find, I never saw him or heard him do a commentary on anything. Um, there was a. Uh, way back on geosites when they existed, um, there was a alt.tv mash website, and uh, Larry Gelbart used, used to, to go write on, on there. there. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, that was one of the things I guess he got it from. And there was another one that uh, Vic Tabak was originally going to play the role of Major Morris, and that one didn't that. work out. But he mentioned that about this episode as well. So maybe someone just saying commentary, but not like a DVD commentary, just he might have quoted from that website or got it from another behind-the-scenes book that we might not be aware of That makes somewhere. That makes the most sense because, of course, yeah, I hear the word commentary, and I'm like, huh? You know? And that, that is my one crit- critique of the MASH box set is that there's no commentary tracks. I mean, they had 251 episodes. They could have gotten a couple of the cast members and a couple of the crew to do a commentary here and there, but the, those things are completely bereft of commentaries, which of course now is what I'm trying to do for, yes. for, for with this show is do that very thing. But I mean, you know, that, that really made my ears perk up when I was like, wait, there's a commentary track. I didn't know. About. But yeah, what you say, that makes total, that makes total sense. I think that's probably what it is, is that it's, it's, it's something Galbart wrote and that person has just used the, uh, a, a loose term when referring to it. So, okay. That makes a lot of sense. makes you feel a little better that I'm not missing you know, hours of commentary track somewhere that I don't know about. So, uh, but yeah, this is a classic episode. I mean, this is a, you know, our heroes versus army bureaucracy. It's got a genuine medical issue and it develops the show 
in a small way. And that, of course, in later, as I said, in later episodes, we see that they have an incubator. So this this episode does have a lasting effect on the history of the show. And so I think it's just it's uh, I, I said before, I think there's not a bum episode in season two. But this to me is even one of the best among season two. I think this is just funny from stem to stern. All of the, the guest stars are really funny, um, and the, the plot is great. Hawkeye and Trapper being pals and going on a little adventure together. Again, they're kind of scamming somebody, but for the right reasons. Uh, it's just I think it's just a great, great show all, all around. So I can see why you would want to talk about it, Danny, because it's, it's just <laughs> terrific. Yes, it is. I, yes. And, uh, I mean, there's plenty of great episodes in this season itself. And as I said, I have a, a soft spot for the first three years of mass because, because watching numerous times, but I, I pretty much have the dialogue memorized from most of these episodes during these years between watching it and, uh, taping the episodes way back when. And, and I think I mentioned you before taping for me back then was uh, recording on a cassette next to the, <laughs> next to the TV speaker. And so I could listen to it later uh, <laughs> when I could watch mash, you know, it's like you didn't have on demand to watch at any time, you know, you had to make your own time to watch mash. So that would be one of the things I would do back then. <laughs> That's fantastic. I just love it. I love that. I, well, what us old school fans had to do back then, if we wanted to listen to stuff, you know, <laughs> the, the amount of Jerry rigging you had to do to get this stuff together. So, so uh, anyway, uh, Danny, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much for reaching out again. I always love talking to new mash fans. So this was just terrific. I hope you had fun. Thank you. I did. I would love to be on again and any other show that, um, I have interest in. I would enjoy it as well. I got well. I said, Siskoid. If you, I don't know if Siskoid listens to Mashcast. Well, we, we we try to all listen to each other's shows, but I'm not exactly sure he listens to Mashcast. But I will mention this to him because it said it's your, your favorite show. That would be cool. We have a Star Trek show, and yes, I have I have uh, eight, uh, what nine more seasons of Mash to get to. So you'll definitely be back. No worries about that. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Mashcast. Of course, if you want to. Uh, find back episodes of the show. Go to the website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. And we're always talking MASH over on Twitter, which is at MASH4077Cast. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, that is all. Checked your BEL, basic equipment list. This unit has everything it's supposed to have. You're not entitled to an incubator. That would be a, a, a luxury. Luxury? We're not asking for a jukebox or, an, or a pizza oven. Oh, those I can let you have. No kidding. Hey, those would be great on movie nights. Uh, you got any pizza requisition forms? I'll just use the standard S1798 and write in pizza where it says machine gun.